This podcast provides information to help esports professionals identify and approach legal problems. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only. Legal information is not the same as legal advice, which is an application of law to a party's specific set of circumstances. You should not and are not authorized to use this podcast as a source of legal advice. And the information in this podcast does not create an attorney-client relationship between the Law of Esports podcast, any of the lawyers or affiliates of the podcast, and any consumer of this podcast. Welcome to the Law of Esports podcast, the number one podcast that discusses legal issues as they apply to the world of esports. My name is Jake Hicks, and I'm an attorney that represents teams, leagues, and organizations. And my name is Nephi Lopez, and I'm an attorney that represents players, personalities, and streamers. And we have a great episode today for our third episode overall, but we have to say that there's been a big gap if you look at our Spotify history <laughs> and our YouTube history between episodes one and two and episode three. And there's a good reason for that. Uh, we're in Texas. Yeah. We're in Houston. And we, we yeah. ran... <laughs> Uh, a few, quite a few things have happened over the last, uh, I'd say, month, um, beginning with uh, a freeze. I don't know if you guys remember. It was uh, not a good time. Yeah, so we had a winter storm that froze everything, so a lot of us didn't have power or water. Um, Nephi still has a hole in his ceiling from yeah. a leak from the freeze. Then, uh, as it happens, I got COVID. Uh, I'm fine, but... It definitely knocked me out for a couple of days, and then I had to quarantine for a two couple weeks. Days. You were out for a little while. I was man. out for like a week, yeah. Uh, so that was tough. And then also, um, we are not podcasters by trade. We are full-time attorneys, and we had several cases jump off between yeah. our mutual dockets yeah. Um, yeah. that kind of took over while negotiating the freeze, COVID, all these other things. Yeah. So uh, thank you for tuning back into the Law of Esports podcast. It is the number one esports podcast yeah. to discuss legal issues in yeah. esports, but also that's why it took so long. Yeah. And we're, we're trying to be more consistent with our episodes. Uh, you know, previously we try to do an episode a week. Uh, life happens and more important than life work happens. And, uh, you know, we obviously want to provide you guys, the listeners and the viewers with the most up to date information. But let's be honest, we're not making any money off of this right now until sometimes our jobs come up. I know Jake has got a pretty big a uh, case where a lot of things are popping off and just a few minutes ago he was getting a lot of filings. I've got a couple of trials scheduled within the next couple of weeks so it's gonna, it, it gets a little hard for us to be able to come out with episodes but as long as you stay tuned we will continue to release these episodes. We will continue to give you guys the best tips and uh, advice and, and try to keep you up to date on the legal issues that are uh, happening every day in the ever-evolving uh, world of esports. Yeah, it's a crazy day whenever a client calls you and says that they may have lost a billion dollars. Uh, yeah. And so uh, I may or may not have received one of those calls in the recent past. But speaking of losing money, that brings us to today's episode, which is interference in the world of professional esports by third parties and how that can be encouraged by online sports betting. Right. Gambling. Yeah. Um, and we've seen that over the past since online sports betting has gotten bigger and bigger. And really since uh, the... Esports has gotten a bigger following. All of the troubles of traditional sports will kind of follow esports as it grows. Right. Uh, and one of those is sports betting uh, or even kind of other types of games of chance that can apply to sports betting, like um, like a March Madness style bracket. Is that really betting? Probably not. And you're going to talk about that later. Yeah. But um, 
but it still can create an incentive for somebody to interfere with a match, maybe match fixing, maybe just some kid trying to disrupt a connection so he has a better chance at winning money. Yeah. Uh, and there's been some notable incidents of that recently. Yeah. So uh, thankfully, I'm part of the sports group at the law firm I'm at, and I had an article published on the issue in the Esports Observer talking about um, interference with the CDL, the Call of Duty League's tournament, their 2020 championship tournament. Yeah. And really, in that article, I discuss. Yeah. Uh, but before we get into that, yeah. though, one, one of the things that's important to note is that there's obviously there's always been interference in the past with people trying to interfere in order to make money or in order to cause a particular team to lose. But what and, and something that brought up in your article that's unique to the esports world and really to just sports in general is COVID. And so it's we're, what we're going to talk right. about is is we're going to add how COVID plays a special element, a unique element, right? Because prior to COVID, if you had land, you really didn't have a lot of these issues. But now that COVID plays a role, we're dealing with very, very novel, unique legal issues with interference. Right. And so that's what the article kind of discusses right. is, is um, you know, with COVID, we're facing all these issues. Imagine a sport that takes place entirely online um, that's broadcast to the world that hadn't really happened before, at least at the highest levels of competition. Right. And so with COVID, the Call of Duty tournament, by way of example, was played online. And usually those tournaments are on LAN. They're, you know, they have an air-gapped connection um, where every PlayStation was plugged into each other. And now I guess it'll be every PC is all on a closed-loop system. And that means that some person who has money on the line can't go in and disrupt a player's connection. Well, what happened in the Call of Duty League tournament is... There was a match where uh, one of the players' connection got interrupted, and it was at the precise time where, according to the CDO rules at the time, the match wouldn't be restarted. And so that had a pretty significant impact on the course of that match. And there was a couple players that voiced their opinion as to why that may have happened. And the CDL, before this championship tournament, had a March Madness style bracket where if you were correct and in your in the way you set up your bracket, you won a hundred thousand dollars. And that will create or can create an incentive for people to start interfering with tournament play by the time you get into that much money, right? A hundred thousand dollars. I'm sure we'll see a million dollar bracket challenge yeah. sometime in the future, whether it's with Call of Duty or Fortnite uh or some esports somewhere. Uh, and so the challenge is, if you're a tournament organizer, how do you prevent that? But also, if you're an individual and you commit some type of this interference, if you attack a connection or you enter into a game when you're not supposed to be there um, and delay the game, it, all these ways of interfering, what can really happen and how could it possibly be prevented or how can the issue be addressed? Um, and we've seen some other incidents, even with CSGO, very, I mean, uh, April 5th. Yeah. We saw it should come out with CSGO. Yeah, and it's 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 a it's a bit of an interesting and sort of novel issue because it takes away a, a, a big element that is typically there, right? Whenever you're dealing with match fixing, which is what has been happening lately with CSGO and and it's I mean it's become big enough to where the FBI is getting involved because we're dealing with gambling, we're dealing with I mean a, a lot of money coming from all over the world. Um and, and and a lot of it coming from the United States, the FBI is getting involved in investigating, but um, it sort of creates a unique issue because 
you know, whenever, let's say you're fixing games, right? Like like March Madness that we recently dealt with in, in, in basketball. And match fixing just means that you're a player and you're doing something to control the outcome of the game. Right. Most of the time, that means that you're performing very poorly so that you lose and create the expected outcome for whoever is betting right on that game. Right, right. And that's generally the form that match fixing takes. Right. And that's and that was what was happening in, in CSGO. Um there there had been various uh reports of some major players, not necessarily organizations, although they're they're we're gonna find out in the coming weeks. Uh but there there were players where, you know, Illicit groups, right? It could we we don't know the nature of who is whether it's an individual, whether it's a particular organized uh, 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 group, uh, like some type of mafia. I don't know whether or not this is something that they they're particularly interested in. But one of the things is that that there are these organizations or people reaching out to individual players and saying, "Hey, if you throw this game." We're going to pay you X amount of dollars, right? Which is, it's increasingly difficult to do that in person because you have to go and you have to offer, you have to bribe, you have to figure out how you're going to get cash from from your bank to their bank or, or, you know, give them a briefcase full of cash. It makes it seemingly easier whenever you're doing that in online betting, right? You get an email from somebody or you get a phone call from somebody saying, hey, if, uh, you know, you throw the game or you have internet issues or whatever, something happens to where the other team gets an advantage and you guys lose, we'll make sure that you'll get X amount of dollars in your bank account by this date. I mean, it's very easy. It takes away that human element. You're, you're literally communicating and it's easier when because you're dealing with not professional athletes, but younger players. Right. And then just to be clear on the, the CSGO match fixing allegations, um, Ian Smith from the Esports Integrity Commission, the head lawyer over there, was recently on a podcast um, just a week ago or less, five days ago. Yeah. Uh, five or six days ago. And he said uh, that the... There's allegations of certain players in CSGO that are throwing games. And they are doing it at the request of outside parties. And we don't really know why. Obviously, when the FBI gets involved, uh, you may think it's some sort of organized crime issue. Uh, But it could also be something as simple as, you know, look, we are esports team A. We're part of the esports brotherhood. We're already not going to make it to semifinals. So let's help out this team. We'll throw this game. They get into semifinals. And then, you know, maybe they'll return the favor in the future. Yeah. Um, And that could also be match fixing. So it doesn't have to be always nefarious organized crime issue. It can literally be trying to honor the esports brotherhood and help out your fellow esports player. Right. uh, But you still create a significant issue. That's being investigated by the federal government. Yeah, and and all that, although it's speculation on our part because we don't know for certain, right? Ian Smith for sure has a more in-depth knowledge of what's going on because he's working together alongside the FBI. And and it's funny because he specifically, the words that he uses is players are being bribed by by outside betting syndicates. Meaning, mm-hmm. you know, like let's say you have FaZe or Optic or one of these large organizations that you know have a, a record of being great teams going against a lesser known uh, um, organization, most people will bet on the team that they think are going to win, right? Based on history, based on performance and betting syndicates will make money if the the sort of the underdog wins. And so, you right. know, along with, with people and individuals, there could also be organizations that are, you know, financially vested in the outcome could, were, are 
were or are or could be reaching out to players in order to get them to, you know, throw a game using, you know, small, like one of the things that was going on in, in the Call of Duty League was that they were basically messing, they were specifically targeting connections of players and were getting around the rules. Like I think in Call of Duty League, correct me if I'm wrong at any point, you know, when you have a team of five, losing one player at some point during the game doesn't automatically cause the game to reset, but they continue playing. You know, they would they would trigger those small rules that would inhibit a team from performing at its top capacity um, and and cause them to, to lose a player, but the match continue and ultimately lose a game. Right. Uh, yeah, and, and that was one of the, certainly one of the issues in um, the Call of Duty League tournament is, and it's interesting because the CDL rules are still confidential. And we've talked about that in yeah. um, the cheating episode. Yeah. Uh, but we do have an idea of what they say, and they've become public to a degree in terms of when you can restart a match because those issues have happened and they've had to exercise those rules on stream. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think it was in hard point, you know, it's the first team to 250, 250 points. And I think if one team has passed 150 points, or if the total is at 200 points between right. both teams, you don't restart. Um, now, this year, they are on PC, and they do have a pause feature, supposedly. We've never seen that pause feature used. And yeah. I mentioned that in my Esports Observer article, that supposedly there's a pause feature. We've never seen it used. Esports players have been vocal about including the pause feature, because that can also work as a deterrent, right? If you're trying to interfere with the match... And they can just pause the game yeah, where it stop is. stop everything, yeah. Yeah, and CSGO has a pause feature. Valorant now has a pause feature. And the fact that Call of Duty supposedly has it, it's in the game code, I guess, but they aren't using they it. choose not to use it. Yeah, it's kind of frustrating. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think Crimzix had a tweet talking about, hey, wasn't there supposed to be a pause feature? Yeah, and it just this? wasn't used. And it's just not used. I feel like if there was a time to use it, it would be in these instances that we saw. Yeah, and and so and these issues are going to stay relevant because, you know, I think Valorant has an in-person event in Reykjavik, Iceland, supposedly coming up, but you never know with the COVID numbers. Johanna Ferries, the uh, commissioner of the CDL, came out and said they're going to be on land, or they're going to be online for the foreseeable future for the 2021 season. Right. They're constantly reevaluating for land, but until we see more land tournaments happening, um, if Valorant's Reykjavik event goes well, then maybe teams can have a land tournament in countries where COVID's well under control. And hopefully everyone's vaccinated by the fall, but who knows? And so until that time, a lot of tournaments are going to be played online and you'll have these risks. And even when tournaments return, you're going to have some issues with match fixing and issues that have reared their heads that filter through and continue even when right. we do get back on land. Right. Um, now, I'm, I'm sure you guys are sitting there and saying, okay, why does this matter? Why should I care? Right. The FBI is getting involved. Although, contrary to popular belief, you would think that the FBI would get involved in just anything. The truth of the matter is that not every single crime that's committed it rises to the level to where the FBI would get involved. And so it's important to note that whenever you see the FBI getting involved, that has some massive, massive implications on sort of how the government, right, sees esports, uh, the, the nature of the crime being committed. In other words, they don't consider these minor crimes, right? Up until recently, believe it or not, the FBI created the, what they call the, the illegal sports betting uh, branch or what's so the they so until recently they did not have a special investigative unit for sports betting right and recently was it 2015 2016 Around they 2015, created yeah. a yeah they created a, a special sports betting investigative unit that 
centers on sports betting. Sport betting, not yeah. just gambling, <laughs> not Rico racketeer or racketeering influence crypto organizations. Right. Um, it's sports betting. Right. And that's what an FBI investigative unit is doing. And they're new. They're green. Um, the Esports Integrity Commission, Ian Smith, is helping them with an investigation into CSGO right now. But they are going to get stronger. They're going yeah, to get and they're going to get better. They're going to start figuring out. I mean, because yeah. think about it. Prior to Esports, which I, in my opinion is... It's been around for a while, but it hasn't grown to this level until literally probably within the last two or three years. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're sports betting before. You're talking about online gambling, right? You're going onto an online gambling website. You're talking. You're dealing cards. You're dealing with roulette. Um, online gambling also. Uh, you know, we're talking about horses, horse racing, uh, oh, yeah. sports. I mean, this is a, such a new. Um, issue right that that the fbi is now getting involved with these types because i mean gambling if if think about it if, if you can make money on it people are going to figure out ways to make more money whether they do it legally or illegally yeah and actually um you know uh, an article that i was working on that ended up being scrapped was um the uh an application to sell futures commodities based on the outcome of sports games so ErisX, the people that do cryptocurrency and they sell futures on Bitcoin, they made an application to the Commodities Futures Trading Commission asking them if they could sell futures based on the outcome of sports games to help these sports betting houses hedge their bets uh, because they were getting inordinate amounts of bets on certain teams because right. they're only allowed in certain states. Yeah. So those states teams were getting a lot of bets on them. And uh, so even at the at the highest levels of the most sophisticated finance industries, sports betting is starting to filter in right um at the same time at the very lowest levels <laughs> of yeah. people sitting at home uh trying to keep themselves entertained yeah. uh it's at that level as well yeah and i think whenever you are looking at the special particular issues that the esports world is facing if we start that approach from kind of a top-down look we have to look at what leagues and you know team organizers and tournament organizers, the issues they face in third-party interference. Yeah. Right? And so if you do have a March Madness-style bracket for a tournament, if you do permit some sort of betting, whether it's with cash or with skins, whatever the case is, you have to be aware that other people may try and attack the connections of your players, try and attack the connection of your stream, something. Um, and so... Uh, what I was one of the issues I brought up in my article briefly, and I brought it up in the cheating episode, was the fact that in esports, as opposed to any other real sports organization, the uh, a particular entity owns the game you're playing. So does NBA own the sport of basketball? No, but nobody else does either. Right. Same thing in the NFL. NFL doesn't own the game of football. You can go out and put a you know twenty two guys in the field and have them throw a lemon shaped ball. And put it on TV. You can call it whatever you want to call it, um, XFL or whatever. Yeah. And you can have that be played as With, long as you set up your own league, right? Without getting sued by the NFL, <laughs> yeah. Because because they, they don't own the rights to the game. They don't own the rights to the game. Same thing with same thing with every sport, right? That's not true with esports because you have a game publisher, and that game publisher has certain rights because they created that game. And you talked about it last time in the cheating episode. Mm -hmm. They have copyright. Yeah. Um, they intellectual have, property rights. Intellectual property rights. They have end user agreements that you guys have probably clicked through a million times. Mm -hmm. um, but you can't interfere with 
uh, other people's connections that you've right. also bought the game if you have the game yourself. And so that's the publisher. The problem that leagues and, and organizations have is that they don't have those same rights. And so if you guys recall months and months ago, people were selling Warzone cheats. And we talked about this in the last episode. Talked about this in the cheating episode. And Activision Blizzard could cease and desist saying you can't make cheats anymore. And that would kind of inhibit the problem a little bit. It yeah. didn't completely stop it. You know what? And, and one of the articles that I saw, these, I think Blizzard was sending private investigator yeah. to the houses of people that were creating cheat codes as also sort of... Uh, Maybe not. Maybe intimidation is not the good word, but to really, I mean, I mean, these guys have a vested interest in preventing cheating because, it, again, it has such a it has broader implications whenever somebody's cheating. It's not just like, oh, you're going to win and, and it's fun. It's we're dealing with money gambling. Um, I mean, these corporations are really taking action. Yeah. To prevent cheaters. Yeah. But if you're a league, then what do you do? Right. Someone comes in and they interfere with one of your players connections at a time when the game can't be restarted. And again, we don't know if that's exactly what happened, but there have been players, like I said, Octane went on YouTube and said, if you have a March Madness style bracket where people can win $100,000, you have to be prepared for someone to try and interfere with the game so they can have a better chance of winning that prize money. Right. Um, And so uh, one of the ways that I I write about for the Esports Observer is tortious interference. (laughs) It's a very legal. It's a very legal word. term. Yeah. If you're a league organizer, you might have heard that before from some of your lawyers, uh, and all that means. So a tort is just a harm that you cause, right? So if I like touch you offensively or harmfully, <laughs> that's a tort. That's called assault, right? Uh, by the same token, if you interfere with someone's contract, that you're not breaching their contract, but you're causing them. To breach, you're causing them a harm. Harm. That's tortious interference, and that's a cause of action that can be used against people that are interfering with professional league right. play. Right. And that will come in the form of a cease and desist letter. That can come in the form of a lawsuit. That can come in the form of an injunction from using your computer. Right. An injunction is basically you're asking the court to force somebody to do or not do somebody just as a little background note as to what an injunction is. Yeah. And so, so tortious interference is a cause of action that you can, that that can be used by leagues to stop that because they can't use copyright infringement. Mm -hmm. They can't use uh, end user breaches uh, or breaches of end user agreements. Uh, And so that's one thing they can use. But more importantly, when it comes to the individuals that are causing this third party interference, yeah, the government can get involved. Right. And so what what basically what Jake was talking about just a few moments ago, we're talking about sort of civil avenues of seeking redress, right? Seeking something to be done whenever somebody's interfering. Right. How leagues can protect right. themselves. Right. And, and a lot of it, again, th- th- this is um, sort of logical reasoning from two lawyers that deal with these issues. Because um, if, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think that any particular organization has taken these actions versus any particular individual. We're looking at it in a way of, okay, this is what you can do, right? If you're watching this and you're a league organizer or you're looking to start your own org or you own an org and you're like, somebody interfered, what can I do? This is just an idea, right? Tortious interference is a legal theory that you could potentially pursue. And I'm sure if you go out and you talk to a lawyer uh, and you decide to hire a lawyer, they're likely to tell you the same thing. And it's a good way in order for you to be able to, to, to seek legal action against somebody for interfering with you and your 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 I guess your business plan with 
a March uh, Madness bracket because at the end of the day, the reason why you do that is to make money. Um, but aside from the civil stuff, what, what, what something that plays a major role is criminal implication for individuals, right? Assuming that whatever you're doing rises to the level of uh, enters a jurisdiction of like the FBI or any other uh, uh, investigative units, you have to be very careful as to how um, uh, what you do, you know, inadvertently in order to mess with a particular uh, event that is happening. So that way you're not um, committing or breaking any type of law or committing any felonies. And, and, and this, again, the, the, the reason why this is novel is because gambling is playing a much larger and larger role in the esports world that we're seeing every single day. It's getting more and more massive, and gambling is legal yeah. in you know seven states. Now. Exactly, it's it's becoming increasingly legal throughout states as to how you can online gamble. Because um, again, all of this because it's all online. It's not like you go into Lake Charles or you go into Las Vegas and you you know are playing blackjack and winning money. This is you're you're viewing something and you're betting on the outcome of it. Um, and so there are a lot of laws that play a role, and you have to be very careful. And and if you're even considering it, if you're a, a player. And you've been approached by an organization and they offer you 500 bucks. You're like, well, it's not a lot of money, so they can't play that big of a role. But that, that's where you're wrong. Um, I'm sure if you guys listen to any other podcasts out there, I know uh, there's a handful that we listen to. I'm not going to promote any of them for free. <laughs> but they themselves have invested, and, and you'll hear it because they talk about it all the time, in, in, in betting apps involving esports specifically, right? They've, they've become publicly traded and they're always, you know, promoting it because it's become such a large thing. But yeah, and, and, and you know, we're not against gambling um, because it's a great way for a sport to grow. Yeah. And it's a fun activity and it's fun, to do. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we're not against gambling. But anytime that gambling becomes uh, a part that it, it exists in the world of a sport, you have risks that pop up that you have to be able right. to address or mitigate. Right, right. Uh, and that's part of what we're talking about today is how yeah. to address and mitigate some of those risks. Right. And and so whenever an e-sport involves gambling, right, it involves money, you sort of enter a new realm of laws that apply to that particular e-sport or that particular uh, event that's happening, right? Believe it or not, uh, and, and just to name a few anti-gambling statutes in the, in the United States, some of the major ones, and you guys can look this up if you, if you really want to find out, there's one called the Illegal Gambling Business Under the Organized Crime Control Act, right? The OCCA, um, which is basically a federal offense based on violating state anti-gambling laws. If you're and, and, and this is just this is not even you getting involved, but if your state prohibits online gambling and you decide to hedge a bet on on an esports because you're watching it on Twitch or you're watching it on whatever, you have to be very careful that your state, the state that you live in, doesn't prohibit or doesn't make it illegal for you to to, to online gamble. Right. I, I know every year whenever you guys are playing fantasy football and you're betting 10, 15, 20, 50 bucks with you and your friends. Um, it's, it's not saying it's not illegal, but it's very difficult to get caught. Right. Uh, if, if you're, if you're placing bets on a website, right. And most websites are linked to where if you're part of a certain state, they won't allow you to place a bet. But if you're, you know, on a new website that doesn't have those securities to protect you, the consumer, you could get in a lot of trouble for doing that. Um, there's a few other ones like we were talking about earlier, the RICO, the Racketeering Influence and Corrupt Organizations Act. If you, as an individual organization, as a as a as a player, as a viewer, 
take any action, whether on purpose or not, because it's uh, uh, your your mental state, right? Your purpose doesn't really matter. If you do anything to affect the outcome of of a particular event or or whatever's going on um, for the purpose of of you know defrauding or, or winning or taking money or, or or damaging somebody else, their property or, or their money, whatever you want to call it, um, you are in fact part of a corrupt organization, or you're taking an action that is considered a felony, right? This is a federal crime that you could go to jail and and potentially go pay, I mean, restitution and it costs you a lot of money um, because, you know, it involves gambling. Right. And um, I don't know if, 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 you know, you've seen how Call of Duty has played a role over the years, but as, as it continues to grow people will be able to allow gambling um, in, in really all aspects of the game, whether it's in how many kills somebody's going to get, what somebody's KD ratio is going to be, what yeah, team I is going to get. I think you're going to get a variety of uh, kind of gambling avenues and, and different bets you can make. Um, and, and matter of fact, in the you know sports betting, online betting uh, futures application to the CFTC, they were trying to get futures based on three types of bets bets um and that was uh you know the the line the spread and the over under for mm-hmm. football and yeah. they were trying to get futures sold on those three bets which is kind of nuts um and i think as esports gets bigger we might not see the traditional types of sports bets we might not see uh, a valorant game where someone bets the line the spread and the over under but we may see you know total team kd right or you know total matches you know, whatever the case is, um, I think we are going to see the winner loser bets. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, the line. I think we're going to see those bets, but I think we'll also see more unique bets to esports. Yeah. Which will be interesting. And then we're going to see things that aren't really that aren't really bets, like a March Madness bracket where you don't really pay any money. It's just a co- a contest. Right. You know. I mean, yeah. that's not really gambling if you yeah. don't put money in. But it's a contest where you can win money and it can create an incentive for third party interference. And so when we look at particularly with um, individuals, the types of punishment they can face comes in the form of RICO. Uh, It comes in the form of a variety of different anti-gambling or gambling restrictive laws. Um, But you also have, like I said, tortious interference. You have civil remedies from the league. And then you also have things like the Computer Fraud and Abuse Act. Mm-hmm. If you're impacting other people's connections, if you're impacting other streams, other business through the internet, yeah, Computer Fraud and Abuse Act can be used in a variety of ways, and yeah. it can be used civilly as well, yeah, to get money damages. Um, and then we also have the big dogs. We have the FBI investigative unit on sports mm-hmm. betting, yeah. Uh, and so if you are a, an individual planning on causing some type of interference, whether it's a prank or not. Mm-hmm. And you know there's money on the line there. Uh, that's You could potentially yeah, be inadvertently committing a federal crime. Uh, and so, you know, let's talk about some ways to, I guess, prevent some of the risks involved yeah. with in the in the environment we're in, which is right. that gambling's in esports now. Right. And it might not be someone putting up bet with a gambling house, but it could be a contest like the CDL yeah, bracket. Yeah. And I bet they have the same thing this next year. Yeah. You know? And so I think the best way is to have a land tournament yeah. <laughs> where everything's kind of air gaps. Right. 
and that's kind of like a bubble with uh, the NBA yeah. and, and and the NFL. Yeah, really, like the a, NBA is a, a big example of how a bubble works. I mean, I think they had right. very very, I mean, a nominal amount of of um, what would we call incidents where people actually got sick in that bubble. Yeah, and and uh, so if you have a land, that makes it a lot easier. Um, because, you know, as leagues, you only have so many tools. Really, tortious interference is one of the few tools you have against third-party interference, someone that's not involved in the game. When yeah. it comes to match fixing, the league can levy heavy penalties. Right. And in that CSGO issue that you were talking about earlier, uh, the CSGO match fixing allegations, because we don't know what's actually happening. Right. They can, I mean, they suspended 35 players in Australia. In Australia, yeah. For a similar match fixing issue. From anywhere from a, a year to, to five, five years. To five yeah. years. Yeah, so the league can come down on people involved in the league. When it's a third party, when it's some kid out there, that's a little bit harder. And a land prevents those third parties from causing issues. From interfering, yeah. Yeah, from interfering, yeah. which is nice uh, because you know the publishers aren't always involved. And yes, I know that Activision Blizzard owns the Call of Duty League. I get it. And I know that Riot owns Valorant. They can own that league as well. But they don't always get involved because yeah. they're busy making the free bundles for Warzone. Well, not putting skin in an packages. Yeah. Skin packages. Well, not putting in an anti-cheat. They're selling skin packages. They have bigger, bigger fish to fry. Yeah. And so the leagues are really kind of on their own. Yeah. Um, and then you know, so they can initiate a cease and desist process mm-hmm. with tortious interference. Yeah. Um, but you know, if you're an individual, what can you do to avoid some of these problems? Let's say you want to enjoy, you know, you want to put a bet on an esports game, or you want to join a March Madness contest. Yeah. Right. I mean. What are you supposed to do? So, especially for you as an individual or you as a player, um, you have to take into consideration, right? A lot of the a lot of the time during our podcast, we've because we're both U.S. based attorneys, we focus on the U.S. based law. But it's important to note that a lot of the players, you know, especially for people playing from home, are coming from lots of different countries. And so you have to take into consideration that not just U.S. laws, right? If you're like, let's say, playing from South Korea or you're playing in, in the U.K. or you're playing in Germany or you're playing in where, whatever country you're playing on and you're playing with Americans, right? Like, for example, this whole thing with CSGO, we're, we're dealing with international teams. If, if whatever action you're taking violates any law, whether it's a U.S. law or a U.K.-based law, and, you know, we kind of talked a little bit about U.S. laws, but even the U.K., look at the Gambling Act. If you're in the U.K., um, back in 2005, they had started enacting gambling acts and have sort of propounded and added to that ang- uh, uh, gambling act and have made it grow. Um, every single country has its own independent list of laws. I'm not saying go out there and read the laws, but it, it's as simple as... Being very careful and making sure that if you're going to gamble, if you're going to try to do anything to interfere, know that because gambling is potentially involved, this isn't just, you know, you're you're, you're not at a a, a GameStop, right? The night before a game release and what you're going to win is a free copy of, you know, Halo 5 or Halo 3 or or Gears of War. Um, People are potentially losing thousands to millions of dollars in a simple action such as doxing one of the players because you know their IP address or, you know, uh, uh, tweeting or, you know, giving information or whatever it is, you could potentially be committing a very severe federal or international crime involving betting. So you just have to be absolutely careful. And, you know, just if somebody approaches you for a bribe, 
you know, regardless of how much money it seems, you know, a hundred thousand, 20,000. And my, my, I imagine because we're dealing with a small, you know, hundred thousand dollar bracket. I mean, chances are they're probably offering five, $10,000 to these individual players to throw game. Jail time doesn't, you know, no matter how much money you have, first of all, you're not going to get it. Right. Because if you cheat and Jake and I were talking about this, I don't know if you remember during the Super Bowl that that streaker, the guy that bet, I don't know, five or fifty thousand dollars. There was going to be a streaker during the NFL and he ended up being the streaker himself. I don't know if you guys followed up with that story, but not only did he get caught, but he lost all the money he could have won, which yeah, would have they, been like five hundred thousand or some crazy they, like that, they didn't pay out the bet at all. Yeah, nobody uh, bought. Nobody got paid their bet, and yeah. and he lost his initial investment, right? And so the same thing for you if you're betting, right? Not and you get. Let's say you get caught, which chances are there's a very high possibility you will. Now that with the FBI, everybody's getting a little more sophisticated. Not only are you going to lose the money that you've invested, you're not going to win. You're going to affect everybody else's outcome, and you're going to go to jail. And so it, you have to be absolutely careful. I mean, this isn't just, this isn't a s- small time anymore. We're dealing with yeah. money, a lot of it. Yeah, and I think the one of the risks uh, in esports and gambling is that with esports, as opposed to really any other form of entertainment, it's so much more interactive. That's one of the best parts about esports. It's so awesome that you can watch one of your favorite players in a tournament and then go watch their stream you know, chat at them and interact mm-hmm. with your favorite players. And then people yeah. see it as such an interactive medium and an interactive form of entertainment. But when you have money on the line, when there's gambling and stuff, maybe having such an interactive esport poses additional risks. Right. And I think it does. Right. And I think it's, you know, doing something like tweeting some guy a screenshot of someone else's tactics or something yeah, um, from a different stream. Stuff like that, if you have money on the line, changes a lot. Yeah. And it's no longer like a funny prank or just trying to help out your favorite player. Yeah. It can become much more serious. Yeah. Um, thankfully, I think we're going to see some return to land. I hope. I hope so. I hope so. I hope we see some return to land. I know in May, Valorant is doing a land in Reykjavik. Hopefully that goes well. Yeah. Um, but even if it does, it doesn't, it doesn't eliminate all these risks, right? You still have the match fixing risks yeah. that... ESIC is investigating now. And if you're a team or if you're an organization or a team, uh, you kind of have to police that as well. Like we talked about in our cheating episode, you really have to manage the influence on your players. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the hard parts about match fixing that's tough, that's really tough, especially when there's allegations, is that to prove match fixing is pretty hard. And so if you see an investigation into match fixing, it's probably going to be pretty invasive. Yeah, Um, they're going to ask for a lot of practice footage, a lot of recorded streams because anyone can have a bad game. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, Ian Smith on the podcast said, you know, Tiger Woods can miss a three foot putt. It's not that weird. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, formal can miss a shot in Call of Duty as a main AR. It happens. Um, It exists. Yeah. How do you know when someone's throwing and someone's not? Yeah. Um, and so the investigation could be pretty invasive and they can ask for a lot of information. They can interview the team president, the CEO, they can interview the janitor. I mean, they can, yeah. especially yeah. if the government gets involved, they can have a pretty expansive investigation. And it's going to cost a lot of money for everybody involved. Uh, you're, uh, I, you know, teams are welcome to pay me yeah. to, <laughs> to handle the investigation yeah. Yeah. Uh, for them and defend them. And I will be, you know, happy with that money yeah but if it, if you can avoid spending it that's the best yeah 
And so just like we talked about with cheating, when it comes to like match fixing, um, those risks aren't going to go away with LAN. They may have started and gotten worse in COVID. And so if, you know, if that if that's out there in the environment, that probably won't go away just because we're back on land. Right. These third party interference issues probably will, I hope. But um, match fixing and stuff is, is rough and everyone has to know that there are major risks associated with it. Esports is no longer a little a game, a little yeah. Uh, yeah. environment that you can live in and do whatever you want. Yeah. That no longer exists. Um, now there's billions of dollars involved and there's some real risk involved yeah. when it comes to gambling, match fixing, and these other issues that we talked about. Yeah. And so, and and I mean, it's just, you have to tread lightly, right? Uh, obviously, the, there's organized crime. Um, and it, whenever you say organized crime, it's sort of, you think of the mafia. It, it's, it's, it's really not even that complicated. Yeah. It's just, it literally, it could be just organized people organizing. Literally. Five dudes getting together, talking about how they're going to yeah. influence the outcome yeah. of a game. Yeah. Saying, hey, let's throw a thousand bucks towards, you know, scump. To have a bad game, not saying it ever would, and I don't think he ever would do that. I don't think that. he ever would, but you know, he's also one of the more wealthy players or one of the more more well paid players. Right, 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 right. And and um, not every player has that luxury, right? You right. have a lot of these guys that are nobodies, um, and and I I don't mean that in an offensive way, but that aren't well known. That are I mean, literally getting paid maybe their travel fees to go to these yeah. tournaments, or you know, get you know a couple thousand bucks to build a computer. Um, the, 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 the need is there, right? Cause you want to turn this into a career, but you have to be extremely careful not to let it influence you. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's taken so serious. Another thing we were talking about is that recently, um, not to piggyback and to talk too much about cheating, but, um, Tifu had won a tournament with his team and he had used some third party software to mess with like the coloring or the with shading the brightness, yeah. and the brightness. And I mean, they literally kicked him from. I mean, they they stripped away his win. I think it was a twenty five thousand dollar pot or yeah, something like that. Something like that. And you know, I mean, that is how serious these organizations are taking these tournaments. Yeah. Don't. And it, and it only gets worse when there's money involved yeah. from outside organizations. Um, and it's tough because you do have esports players uh, like Pristini and Arsides in Call of Duty. And I know I talk about Call of Duty a lot because I'm a major Call of Duty fan. But you know, Pristini and Arsides went from Dairy Queen to the main stage. Literally, <laughs> you know, literally I mean, yeah. that, that's that was their progression. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so it's yeah, it's hard not to imagine some of these guys being influenced. But in terms of third party interference, you know, we talked about ways for leaks to handle that. Yeah, we talked about the risk that those third party interferers can face. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about CS:GO match fixing allegations and the fact that there's a new FBI investigative task unit investigating. CSGO yeah. now, yeah. which is kind of a cool thing for esports. It sucks that it's happening, but yeah. esports is in the big leagues now. Yeah. I mean, yeah. part of the big boys. Um, so just a lot of things to be aware of in esports and a lot of things that are on the new horizons. And I think the big takeaway is that esports is growing nonstop. Mm-hmm. It's going to face challenges and growing pains yeah. that all the other sports face. And they had 100 years to deal with it. Yeah. Esports really had, you know, like 15, 20 yeah, years at, to deal at with most, it. Yeah. At most. And so all these issues are coming down the pipe very, very quickly. You have to stay up to date and realize what's happening in the environment around yeah. you and understand legal issues as they apply to esports. Yeah. Which, <laughs> you know, over, and as time progresses, you know, I, I know we, we with podcasts kind of hard to interact with viewers and listeners 
If for whatever reason you guys think that, hey, this is going to be the next big issue, please feel free to drop in the comments uh, what you think we should talk about next. We've got quite a few things in the pipeline. And so we're going to talk about discussing from even the basics of contracts to we, we may or may not get into a little bit of uh, some some criminal law <laughs> involving uh, streamers reaching out to, you know, their fans. You guys have to be very careful about that. Um, if you guys have any tips or any comments or, you know, hey, your audio sounds like crap. As you guys can tell today, we've got a new station where we're recording this from. Um, Nephi talks know. so loud. <laughs> I do. I know. I, I, uh, I tend to yell. But yeah, let us know in the comments and or tweet uh, at us. Or tweet at us, yeah. Follow us at the Law of Esports podcast. I think is what our, our handle is on Twitter. Um, or you know, follow Jake at what is your what's your what's your tag or your your tag? That's my, such a gamer. Twitter your Twitter handle. Oh God! It's like uh, it's Jake Hicks Law. Jake Hicks Law, and uh, mine is Nephi Neff N E F I N E F F. Feel free to to drop a follow. Um, send us a message. Tweet at us. Really the best thing we're going to try to make our social media grow. Let us know. Okay. We're here to provide the cutting edge uh, updates and information and attorney's take on how our uh, wonderful world of esports is evolving over the years. And, uh, you know, we want to stay up to date and stay in touch with the viewers and listeners. And also, if you guys don't mind, go to the Esports Observer, type in my name, click on my article on Call of Duty League. The clicks help a lot and uh, helps us get more stuff published in the future. And I think it's a really cool medium to check out. Also, I think it's a good publication in general. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so absolutely. check that out. And in the meantime, yeah, thank you for listening. We'll see you guys next time. Yeah, yeah. Listen to us on any uh, place. Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Yeah, all whatever. of it. All of it. All right. Thank you. Thanks, guys.